0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you everyone for coming out this morning and those of you who are uh, with us in other places, thank you for being with us this morning. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace, although we have a number of people who you have heard this summer who capably uh, bring the word of God to all of us and a lot more besides. Uh, I do want to just reiterate what Neil said. Do pray for Ted and Gail. Certainly that Gail will not get it. Probably not. Ted's on the mend now, but we want to pray for them. And I want to encourage you during this message this morning, two things. One just hang with the message. It's, it's not just one point, one point, one point. They're all separate. They're all interrelated. Kind of is the way that First John, the book from which I'll be preaching this morning, is structured. But also, don't, please, look, the issues of our day uh, are such that we hang on to anything to make our point. Please don't do that. This is the word that, Let's treat the word with the dignity and respect that it deserves. And that's not thats not a rebuke, it's a plea. It's just a plea. So don't say, uh-huh, that's what I'm talking about. Because you'll miss the greater point if you're not <clears throat> careful. So I want to begin by saying the world is divided into two groups of people. Now you may think that I'm going to be saying saved or unsaved. You put could also say mask or no mask or any number of things that we could say. And you would be right, though, to say that the world is divided into two groups, those who know Jesus and those who do not. But today I'm thinking about those whose lives are characterized by routine and those who feel restricted by routine. I certainly fall into this latter category. We are in a summer-long series here at Grace titled, Conformed to the Image of God's Son, Jesus. Now, if you pay attention to the grammar of the title, you're going to get the sense that the work of conforming, being we're being conformed. It's not that we're conforming ourselves, we are being conformed, and that work comes from outside of us. You would be right to understand that it is God who is working to make us like. Jesus. But it is also true, as Pastor David said last week in his excellent message from Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we should put ourselves in a position to be conformed to the image of Christ. We get in the place and God does the work. That's where the routine comes in. King David claimed in Psalm fifty five seventeen 17, that he prayed morning, noon, and night I think what's so interesting about his prayers is that there were laments. So uh, David complained. He said, I pour out my complaints morning, noon, and night. But that's a pattern that a lot of Christians have followed for prayer. Daniel certainly did. He prayed three times a day. His opponents knew exactly how to get him. Daniel said, this is really not a trap for me. It's You think it's a trap, but I'm just going to do what I do. Jesus often got up before dawn to pray and in first timothy 4 7 the apostle paul urged timothy to train himself for godliness or as a new american puts it discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness if there is one essential for walking with christ in the christian life it is routine if There is one pursuit that eludes me and eludes many of you. I know it is routine. That's okay. You are my people. Those of you who find routine difficult. Our text today is the 10 verses of 1 John chapter 1. Now, if I were preaching through the book of 1 John, I would approach this text differently than I will today. I promise not to intentionally or purposefully or carelessly take liberties with Scripture. But since this is a topical series, we're able to look at the text from a different angle. So I'm going to begin, as I often do, with a brief explanation of the text to keep us from getting off track. Then I'm going to talk about three routines that are important for us. The routine of our relationship with Jesus, the routine of our relationship with other believers, and the routine of repentance. And yes, it connects not only to last week's message, but the week before from Psalm 51. Before we begin uh, and jump into the Word, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. Thank you that we can meet even in this way. We pray, Lord, that you would protect us physically, but far more importantly, that you would protect us spiritually. These are confusing times. May we be certain this day about the things that you require of believers for we pray in jesus name amen i'm will be reading from the english standard version and as i read these first two verses try to determine whether you think john is making a theological point or if his heart is just simply overflowing with love for jesus So, is this theological language or heart language? It, it is both, I think. Uh, I'm not saying that like I often do. Yes, I, I think it's both. There's no question that John was making the point that Jesus came in the flesh and that he had seen and touched Jesus. That would be very important in the centuries to come, as many would say that Jesus was really just a spirit. It wasn't full-blown at that time, but there may have been some of that heresy, uh, around and Jesus, uh, Paul, uh, John was saying, Look, he was my best friend, and I was his best friend, and I touched the man. There are several similarities between the first four verses in 1 John and the first 18 verses of John's gospel. Jesus who has existed eternally with the Father in the Spirit, came to earth in the flesh. And that is deep theology. No one ever heard anything like the story of the incarnation. Even so, by the time you finish verse 4, you can almost hear John say it. Let me tell you about my Jesus Verses 3 and 4, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, jesus christ but it is also with other believers who follow jesus there is much joy in this fellowship and though you'll find this hard to believe more joy even greater joy than than social media can bring in 2020 i mean if watching the news or keeping up with social media is more your routine than fellowshipping with the lord or with his children then i doubt there is great joy in your life Verses 5 to 10 describe the benefits of following Jesus and preaching or practicing, I'm sorry, repentance. But also, they talk about the dangers of hiding our sins and refusing to acknowledge our wrongdoing. In verses 5 and 6, John says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth God is light and if we are to walk with him we must be honest with ourselves and with others about what God expects of his children in verse 6 John says that when we claim to be walking in the light, but we are secretly sinning, we are hypocrites, deceiving others about who we are. A remedy is given in verse 7, and then a warning, another warning in verse 8. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Most of the Greek verbs uh, Greek verbs in John, 1 John 1 are written in the present tense. And that indicates a continual action. You know the difference between continual and continuous. Continual is ongoing. Continuous is without interruption. Allison and I were on vacation last week. And we were continually eating all kinds of good things. Not continuously, or I wouldn't fit on this platform. But we were continually eating, eating more than we normally would do in all kinds of snacks and things like that. So this action, the actions here are continual actions. If we are walking in the light, doesn't mean we don't stray, but if we if our practice is to walk in the light, We are continually fellowshipping with other believers because that's part of walking in the light. And the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing us from our sins. Now, does this mean we're getting saved over and over? No. But it does imply, it does mean that we must confess our sins frequently. That's what verse 9 is going to tell us. Walking in the light doesn't mean that we're free from sinful thoughts or words or deeds, but it does mean that we will be honest about our sin and recognize our need for forgiveness, which Jesus' blood accomplishes. If we refuse to be honest about our sins, then we go from deceiving others in verse 6 to deceiving ourselves in verse 8. You you know that type, don't you? In fact, have you ever done it where you've been you've shaded the truth a little about something so long that you believe what you're saying that is not truly accurate. Some people just lie outright and they lie so long, so frequently, consistently so long that they just believe the lies that they tell. There's a remedy in verse 9 and a grave warning again in verse 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Since we are told in 1 John 5, 13 that this little letter is written for believers, we know then that verse 9 is written for us. This is not talking about the repentance that a person uh, confesses to God his sins when he is trusting Jesus for the first time when he says to to the Lord, I am a sinner, please save me, Lord Jesus, on the basis of what you did on the cross. And probably when you were saved, you didn't say it exactly like that, but you get the point. He's talking to believers. We need to continually be coming to the Lord and confessing our sins. When... We are cleansed. This beautiful promise of forgiveness, when we are cleansed from all unrighteousness, you know what happens? We look like Jesus. We are being conformed to his image. Confession of sins is an important component in this process. And if we refuse to be honest about our sins, we go from deceiving others in verse six to deceiving ourselves in verse eight to calling God a liar. In verse 10, with his word having no impact, no discernible impact in our lives. It's not that a believer is going to say, I just think God's lying about that. But it's going to sound more like, that's not what that verse means. Or we're just taking verses everywhere out of context. Because there's a a thing that we really think is right. And we want to make sure that everybody else knows it's right. And so we use that verse. Out of context, and we are in a dangerous place when we do not take strip Scripture in the ways that God intended it to be. First John is a short book, and the temptation—it it seems so simple. It's a little confusing because it's hard to get structure, bring any structure to First John. But themes, absolutely, there are a lot of themes that you can can spot in First John. But if you if you read it. Quickly and casually, you will miss the point that this life that is ref- explained and described in the New Testament is no joke. It's serious. John's letter was written near the end of his life, late in the first century, and the church was suffering Persecution. Look, our elders agreed Wednesday night that we are going to soon preach a series of sermons that will help prepare the church for persecution. You know, <laughs> um, for years, I-, I-, I thought this is where we're heading, but I didn't say it too often because people were like get out i've not heard one person lately say really you think so? i don't think so i think we all understand we're heading for persecution and i don't know that we are aware of the level that will come and if things change politically in just a little bit look our hope is not in politics we are heading in the wrong direction but we're not going to be in any different place than the great majority of believers throughout all history have been for the last two 2,000 uh, years, 2 millennia. We're, we're right there where everyone else has been. We recognize that the Christian life in our current cultural environment is no, no joke. <laughs> and we need to prepare ourselves and our families to suffer for the faith, if so called. Now, it's interesting that John doesn't talk much about suffering. All believers were facing suffering in that day. You didn't know from day to day whether you would be alive, and it wasn't COVID you were worried about. It was the government coming in, And nailing you to a cross or attaching you to a pole and setting you on fire. And saying, light of the world, oh, light the way for us. John does make it clear, though, about the importance of routine for those who have eternal life in Jesus. And routine prepares us for Come what may. I mentioned three important routines at the beginning this morning. I'm going to address each one briefly. Beginning with one, routine in our relationship with Jesus. I have for a long time, in fact, from very early in my walk with the Lord, loved the first four verses of 1 John. Even though John was making a theological point, the intensity of his love for Jesus just leaps off the page into my heart every time I read these verses. The Apostle Paul identified Jesus as Logos, or the Word, the Word of life, here in 1 John. And we've already seen this in John's Gospel over and over, especially in the prologue over and over. In the beginning was the Word. <coughs> The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, who was Jesus, we're told in verse uh, 14. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Then, after calling himself the truth in John 14, 6, Jesus prayed for us in John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. I know that a lot of us tend to think, oh, if I were only alive when Jesus was alive, and if only I, I could have followed him. Well, look, the disciples' lives tell us that we would have had just as much trouble as they did following the Lord. Well, that was before Pentecost. They had trouble after Pentecost. Jesus is with us through the Word, He is here. It's interesting that he is the word, Jesus is the word, and the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth, Jesus says. Your word is truth. I may yet in this series preach from 2 Corinthians 3, especially verse 18. The truth expounded there is that when we spend time in God's word or in the Bible, gazing at Jesus, we are Gradually transformed into the same image. Who is it we see from Genesis to Revelation? Jesus. The more time we are in the word, the more we will look like the one about whom is written. And who presents himself over and over in scripture. The Bible is, as James 1 calls it, the perfect law of liberty do you notice a difference when you begin your day in the word i want to ask you a question that i asked just recently i i I know i've asked this before and believe you me this question is to me as much as it is to you i promise you what is the first thing that you reach for in the morning is it your bible or is it your phone so many times I'll pick up my phone. I'm just going to see what the weather is going to be or whatever. And then I'm a, I'm a little while getting into the word. And it makes a difference when I go straight to the word in the morning. This world, which is so important to all of us in these days. We are all aware. We're attuned to what's going on. This world is passing away. God's word is eternal. If you are a believer and you have not already done so, establish a routine of time with Jesus in the word. Do not try to live this life on your own, though. We must also pursue, at the second point, routine in our relationship with others who walk in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Is there anyone, is there anybody here happy that we're meeting outside with about one-third, maybe even one-fourth at times of the people that normally meet in the building over there? Please note, look, the... The the elders and the staff are aware of the sacrifices that we're asking everybody to make and that we are all making. Uh, I know some of you have questions about the science and the government orders and the decision to continue our services in this way. My goodness, science has become a god. And yet, science is so uncertain, if for no other reason, because we all have access to the internet and Google. So we're all scientists in our own rights, right? We don't know what to do. My goodness, it's it's a hard day. The church is designed to function as the body of Christ, and if the arms and the toes are unable to get together, it just feels unnatural. The elders frequently discuss when we might get back inside. And then we learn of those who have become infected in churches that are meeting indoors. A church in Anger just had a, there was a cluster of uh, of infections in, in in a church in Anger recently. Uh, the son, uh, the church in Banner Elk, North Carolina, where my son-in-law serves as associate pastor, George Wright, many of you know from Team Valley Days, is the pastor at Mount Calvary Baptist in They had to make the decision yesterday. We're, We're going back to online services only because of infections and several who were quarantined having been tested to see whether or not they are infected as well. Please know, we would love to be inside, but please, please, brothers and sisters, do not let this be the issue. That separates us. We are headed for increasingly troubled waters. That have nothing to do with mask and meeting. Except in the plan of Satan. The whole thing is satanic. 2020 has been his finest hour. At least in my lifetime. In America. Not in other places. Other places have had it much worse than we. But it's his best hour. In these United States and we're going to have to make a decision in maybe a year maybe 10 years who's more important Jesus what's more important Jesus or my political bent and aspirations we have got to be together so here is my challenge to you in, in in the acknowledgement that we need each other find a way to connect With other believers. Of course I would encourage you to be safe. But connect with those in the body of Christ here at Grace. I would offer suggestions. But you are more than capable of connecting in in such times. And furthermore, I I don't want to make anyone upset with the suggestions that I might make or, or might not make. Instead, I want to offer this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer found in his excellent little book, Life Together, that addresses both of our first two points. Quote, A Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged, for by himself he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer And proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because. Of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart. Is weaker. Than in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. Close quote. I need you. I need you because the word of Christ that you share with me is stronger than the Christ in my heart. I need you, and you may especially be able to help me with this last point: the routine of repentance. What does it mean to repent? First Psalm one nine written in the present tense indicates that repentance or confession of sin must be an ongoing practice for the Christian. As we talked about two weeks ago with Martin Luther's 95 Theses, number one being the Christian life is an act of continual or a life of continual repentance. The, the Greek word for confess is homologeo, which means to agree with. If you agree with God about your sin, then you can be certain that he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What does repentance look like? Sometimes it it looks like King David's agony over his sin as we saw him in Psalm 51 two weeks ago on Sunday mornings. But the problem with that is we look at Psalm 51 and we compare ourselves with David, we we, we can become discouraged and worried about our failure to properly grieve over our sin. It could be that when we seek to define our relationship with God, in fact, this is what most contemporary evangelicals do. We look inside ourselves, am I really saved have I really confessed? How can I know? But when you look inside, what do you find? Darkness. Or deceit. To repent. Do you, mean, do you need to mean it when you come to God? Do you, do you need to mean your... I mean this, God. I'm confessing. Or do you really... Need to mean it, or do you really, 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 really need to mean it? What you must do is to believe God's word, never be casual about your sins, but you must believe God's promises to forgive you when you agree with Him about your sins. And this is where your brother or sister comes in. How many times. Have you struggled or you've seen others struggle and they'd say, I just can't. And a brother or sister comes along and says, what does the word say? That's where the word of Christ in your heart is stronger than the Christ in my heart. I need to hear you give me his word. And it helps me to give it to the Lord and then leave it there. Because he promises to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. How can we find this place that is blessed with God's forgiveness and favor and peace? The routine of communion with Jesus in God's word. The routine of communion with brothers and sisters who will remind us of God's promises and keep us from both stubborn resistance and self-defeating introspection that destroys faith, which in turn will lead to the routine of repentance. I told you at the beginning that I'm not the best with routine. Even so, one of the resources that has helped me greatly and one that I have routinely recommended to you is Every Moment Holy, a book of liturgies written by Douglas McKelvey. Uh, The liturgies of the hours, especially daybreak, midday, and nightfall, have helped me establish more routine in my life than I have enjoyed in decades and that is strengthen my relationship with the Lord may I yet again commend this resource to you if you don't have it if you do join me this week in, in reading at least one of those three liturgies every day and if you don't have it that doesn't mean anything Get in the Word. You've got devotionals morning and evening. You can get free online, Charles Spurgeon's devotions. Uh, you can, there are several others that you could help. Or just go to the Word. Start reading through the book of Philippians and think of it in terms of what it's like to live in a world that is very opposed to the gospel. We don't think about that with Philippians so much because it talks so much about joy. But there it is. Joy in the midst of suffering. Why do we need to be in the Word at this level? Because we are being conformed into the image of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, we live in a time where people are so certain about everything. And those of us who are not quite as certain in our hearts and minds uh, would say, I just don't know how to function in a time like this because sometimes I don't know my right hand from my left. But Lord, you comfort, encourage Correct our path. You guide us with your word. And in your word we see Jesus. May we love like him and forgive like him. And walk in righteousness like him. And may we take up our cross daily and follow you. And as we do, continually conform us into the image of Jesus in the power of the Spirit as we do so in community according to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission.